What if you could look into a crystal ball and you could see what the future held, what the geopolitical system looked like, what was going to happen in Russia, what was going to happen in China, how about our relationship with Canada and Mexico, what about all those people that are coming across the border, why are they coming, what's going to happen there, what if you could look into a crystal ball and you could get all those answers and you could then invest in accordingly. Well, I can tell you where you can do that if you're willing to put forth 43 hours of your time. It's going to require you to take a course, do some studying, and at the end of that 43 hours, you'll know what's going to happen in this world, or at least have a a better idea than 99% of the rest of the people in the world. What if I could condense that down into two hours, that I could show you a two-hour video and you'd know more than 99% of the people in the world? Best of Us Investors presents Kerry Griegmeier. Back in 2019, I read this book, The Accidental Superpower, and then uh, I followed it up with The Absent Superpower. It's by Peter Zeon, and I came to believe that he probably understands the world economy and the geopolitical system better than anybody I had ever come across. And then that just last year, he put out uh, the, world, the End of the World is Just Beginning, Mapping the Collapse of Globalization. And with that, I was convinced. This guy knows what he's talking about. I've got about 43 hours invested in those three books, and I believe he, he's, he's on top of it. So, and then I've probably got another 43 hours invested in the videos that he puts out. Well, I got an email uh, this weekend from my son, Trent, my partner in this business, and uh, he said, Dad, you have to see this. And he uh, gave me a link to a Joe Rogan interview with Peter Zeon. I sat down and I watched it for two hours and I said, I'm not believing what I just saw and what I now know that I would guarantee that 90% of the world will never know and the advantage it gives me over for my investing future over the next 10 years. I put a link in the description to the Joe Rogan and uh, Peter Zeon interview. Uh, As I said, it's about a two-hour video, but it it gives you a real insight as to uh, what he thinks is going to happen to the world, and he substantiates it in terms that's easy to understand. And so what I want to do is spend a little time in this video on the first 30 minutes of the video, because the first 30 of the minutes of the video are pretty much focused on the Russian-Ukraine system and how it's going to affect the world's economies, probably over the, the, the coming decade. At one point, he says, this war could go on through for another 10 years, and we'll get into that. But what he, he lays the ground, first of all, of what, what has brought Russia to this point and how Putin has pretty much eliminated any competition for leadership in Russia uh, and put himself in a position where he makes the decisions. The other thing he, he brings to attention is the geography of 
of Russia, that they don't have the farmland we do. Uh, they don't have the rivers so that, that you can move that, so that you can move goods here and there. Uh, they don't have the protection, uh, particularly on the southern end of a body of water like we have the Gulf of Mexico and on the, our eastern side we have the uh, Atlantic Ocean. On the western side, we have the Pacific Ocean. So so that makes it difficult to invade us. And we have Canada north of us, which we get along quite well with, and, and Mexico on the, on the southern end, who is our largest trading partner at this point as, as we are scaling back from our trading with China. And so we feel pretty secure. Russia doesn't have that security. They also don't have what, what was needed prior to the end of World War II was that if you didn't have coal, oil, food, and iron, you were basically a colony, and and uh, you had to uh, basically depend on other people for sur- survival. But at the end of World War II, the United States became the the patroller of the uh, oceans, and trade opened up. So Russia had a place. In that in that ecosystem, but now Russia is feeling threatened because they are exposed to on on multiple sides, mostly on the southern side of Russia, to to countries. And in the past, in 2014, when they invaded a country, everybody just kind of put down their arms and said, "Okay, no big deal." And even the European element, the rest of Europe said. Uh, we're not going to get involved in it. But now as they invaded Ukraine, Europe and, and the United States have said, no, we've got to stop this. So Russia's in a predicament right now to, to, to make, ensure their survival. They openly said, we fear NATO, that we are exposed to invasion. Uh, there's no real reason why NATO would want to invade Russia because they don't have anything that anybody wants. They have a very archaic transportation system. They have never developed their highways because of the difficulty uh, of doing that. So basically to move uh, materials and goods, they use the railroad. We've seen evidence of that as they tried to invade Ukraine they drove in with basically trucks, not so much tanks, but trucks, and thought they would just go into Kiev and, and, and take it over. But this time there was resistance. There was a, a strength and an identity that Ukraine said, no, you're not going to do that, and put up some resistance. Now, this is a, a small country that doesn't have a major military, and yet they were have they have been able to stave off the invasion of Russia, um, one of the largest military forces in the world. And and again, the reason they have is because of the lack of mobility as a result of the terrain and the geography of Russia. Okay, so that's where we're at now. What Peter says, and and what I agree with him, is this isn't going to end here. It has to move on, and it has to move on. So they they will next invade Poland, um, Estonia, Finland, Belarus, Georgia, and more. They're they're 
plan is to double the size of the geographic location of, of Russia as well as the population. Why are they doing this? Because of their lack of commerce with the rest of the world, with their population their population pyramid has has inverted. In order for a population have to survive, you have to have young people, more young people at the bottom, and fewer older people at the top. If that gets inverted and you have more older people at the top and fewer younger people at the bottom, your economy fails. That's where Russia is. As a result of that, they have to expand their country to bring it back to more of a parallel uh, um, uh, demographic. That's what they're faced with. If they do not succeed at this, Russia will disappear as we know it as a civilization between 2050 and 2070. This is what Peter explains in this first 30 minutes of this video. And Russia knows that. So in order to stop that from happening, they have to expand their 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 country all right and that's what they're doing right now so where does this go from here well because of the winter because of the rain because of the mud for the most part the war has slowed down a bit but once we meet reach may of um 2023 it's all going to start up and in that interim um putin has uh, enlisted more young people. Uh, Ukraine has trained more pe soldiers and gathered more military equipment from the NATO countries, as well as what they have they have captured from the Russians. And now they're in this slowdown period. They're actually working to make the the Russian equipment ready for more war and um, getting ready in May to. To go on now, Putin believes at that point he will have about a half a million troops, and he will march in and overwhelm um, uh, Ukraine. That remains to be seen if that will happen. If it does, they will move on, as I say, to Poland, Estonia, Finland, Belarus, Georgia, and more. Uh, I am of the opinion, Peter is of the opinion, that won't happen. The war will continue. And it will continue because the uh, NATO countries and the U.S. will continue to support them. The other thing you need to recognize is the, the other option is it gets uh, bogged down and um, they're, they're lo Russia is losing they have a fallback, and it's called a nuclear uh, explosion. Who would they drop the bomb on? Are they going to are they going to nuclear waste Ukraine that they're trying to take uh, control of? I don't think so, and neither does Peter. Because if you're invading this country for the assets that it has, the wheat, the the uh, nuclear capability, nuclear energy, the largest nuclear plant in, in uh, Europe, you don't want to make it a, a nuclear wasteland. So who do you drop the bomb on? Who do you launch the rocket to say, uh, you stop or we're going on? Well, it's probably one of the European countries 
or it could be some uh, asset of the United States. I, I don't know. Peter doesn't know. But that is a possibility. That's the worst possibility that we could face. So with all this in mind, where do I as an investor, not as a participant in the war or a advocate of the war, um, where do I invest? Well, we recognize that we have moved in, changed in a system where we basically thought for the last 10 years, 20 years, that war was going to be a cyber war and that we were watching Russia and China and saying, okay, where are they going to attack us cyber-wise to shut down our electric system or shut down our internet or, or whatever? And we have had to change our attitude and say, wait a second, we're at the verge of a nuclear war, and we have to reallocate our funds to make sure that we don't um, that we can stand up to a military threat. So over the last probably no more than 24 months, probably no more than 12 months, our government has been been spending a lot of money on military. So. I have moved money into the following companies. Lockheed Martin. Lockheed Martin, basically, for their F-16 fighters, um, their C-120 military transports, their P-3 uh, Oregon um, maritime uh, transports, so are aircraft. So, and, and these rocket launchers that they're called uh, HIMARS, are the system that has really staved off the advancement of uh, Russia thus far. So I've put a sizable investment into Lockheed Martin. Uh, the next one was uh, Northrop Grumman. They are basically, they have invaded or, or created the, the B-21 Raider. This is the stealth bomber. Now, are you, are you saying, Kerry, or is Peter saying that we are going to provide air, air support for Ukraine? That would probably bring option two to the forefront, and that is nuclear. But where we are putting these airplanes and, and uh, fighters is in the other European countries. Um, Lockheed Martin and Northrop Drummond have basically been um, the purchase orders received from the European, the NATO countries, because they're of the mind, if this war escalates, they're the next target. And they have to be in a position to defend themselves. Nobody yet has said, we want to uh, support Ukraine with aircraft strike capability on Mo Moscow and St. Petersburg. We're not there yet. But that isn't to say we won't get there sometime. So that's why I'm investing in uh, Lockheed Martin, Northrop Drummond, and Raytheon. And you'll see in this uh, presentation by, by uh, Peter Zeon, he, he enters a... He, he mentions that we are going to be pro, uh, producing or supplying Ukraine, Ukraine, 
Ukraine with Bradley tanks. So uh, he mentions that. And so I researched and I found that the government has just awarded a contract to to the to uh, Bay Systems, B-A-E Systems, uh, for $383 million on October the 6th of this year to produce Bradley tanks. Um, this is an over-the-counter stock. It is ticker symbol B-A-E-S-Y. So I will be buying some uh, Bradley tanks or, or, or B-A-E-S-Y. B-A-E-S-Y, because this is, again, uh, a where we are investing our money to support Ukraine, and I see that as part of my military portfolio. The next issue that they go into in the interview is the the energy issue. They, They explain that uh, because of the sanctions that we have put on Russia, Russia's ability to move and pump their oil out of their system is, is being shut down. Part of it is they have established a price, a, a low price that they will pay for Russian oil. And part of it is that they, we have basically said we will not ensure the movement of ships carrying Russian oil to various ports. And that is going to include India and China. Now, India and China, Peter explains, has stepped up and said, yeah, we'll insure the ships so that Russia can get oil uh, to us and, and China. So, uh, but as soon as one of those ships is attacked, and the insurance has to be claimed, it's going to fall into a position where India and China aren't going to be able to pay the, the shippers. And, and as a result, uh, the movement of oil out of Russia will come to a stop. When it comes to a stop, the cold of the northern plains of uh, Siberia where much of this oil is extracted, those pipes will freeze. And as they freeze, the, the, uh, the oil wells will freeze as well. And now, because again, think of it, if you aren't moving that oil, it's going to freeze up. If it freezes up, it shuts down. The last time this happened, it took Russia 30 years to get that taken care of. Okay, now we shut down this winter the potential movement of oil. What does that do to the price of oil? It, it amounts to millions of barrels of day, per day that are not now available on the market. So what do I do with that? I invest in these oil stocks. Um, Devon Energy, um, uh, Chenier Energy, this is LNG, this is liquid natural gas, this is a U.S. company that liquefies natural gas and ships it to Europe. Because again, if the natural gas is not coming out of Russia, they got to get it somewhere. So I own LNG. Uh, I own uh, Matador Resources Company. This is one of the largest explorers and starters of new wells in the United States. And U.S. 
uh, uh, oil is going to go up in price, and we are the uh, one of the largest shippers of oil in the world, and so that's why I own Matador. I also own Occidental Petroleum. I bought it originally following um, Berkshire Hathaway, Hathaway's lead, who has bought, I believe it's up to 40% of um, Occidental Petroleum. I own XLE. This is an ETF in the energy category. And then I own ExxonMobil. Each of these stocks also pay a decent dividend, the biggest one being Devon, which is about an 8% dividend. So that's what I took away from the first 30 minutes of this two-hour video. What I'm going to do tomorrow is go into the next 30 minutes, and that's going to be all about China and how China is going to fare as a result of all of this that's going on, as how China is going to fare as a result of the deglobalization and what is going to happen. I just want to emphasize this video, this interview by Joe Rogan, is essential for you to watch if, in fact, you want to be an investor in the future. Um, I love the statement that Joe says at the end of the video, at the one hour and 56 minute point, Joe says, well, Peter, you have success, succeeded at scaring the living shit out of me over this last two hours, but I've enjoyed it. And Peter's answer was, well, next time I'll bring diapers. Okay, this, this is a must see. This is a must view. Again, I'll put the link in the description. And again, tomorrow we will go dig into the next 30 minutes, which we'll talk about China. Following that, we'll go into the final 30 minutes or 50 minutes of the video, which is going to cover a myriad of subjects, uh, everything from genome sequencing to uh, the, the drug wars in Mexico and how our relationships with Mexico and Canada and fertilizer and, and genome sequencing and, and food. So uh, we'll talk about that on the third of the series, and then we'll see where we're at. Okay, that's my take on one of the best videos I've seen, one of the most, the smartest men, and again, he doesn't get it all right, but um, because he, he actually didn't know how old uh, Vladimir Putin was, but that's, we won't hold that against him. So again, uh, read the books, watch the video, and come back tomorrow, and we'll take on chapter two. Thank you.